0: This is Matt Neely, and you're listening to the Titans Film Room Podcast.
1: Welcome in, Titan fans. I'm once again joined by Justin at Titans Film Room and Jimmy Morris, J. Morris MCM. So be sure to follow them on Twitter. Uh, Today we're going to be discussing the Mike Rabel situation and what we think of him as a coach. Uh, We're also going to be presenting the awards for the Houston Texans game. And just kind of discuss the state of the Titans and where we're at. Um, But be sure to kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Nice. I will kick back, relax, and enjoy the show.
2: I mean, I think that that's what the next challenge is. I think right now at 1230 when they come in here is we have to, um, you know, just continue to coach, identify the stuff that looked like we've been improving on. And, you know, fix some of the stuff that that probably cost us the football game and then eliminate the the things that ultimately every week are going to get you beat. That's what we do um, every week um, because there were all three of those things that that occurred in some form or fashion um, in the game. And there was some, it's never always bad, it's never always really good, but um, we're going to just need to, to tighten some things up going forward.
1: Uh, welcome in, Titans fans. Today we're going to be discussing how do you lead a leader of men?
2: <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah, okay, so here's my thing with Frabel. And let me let me start off by saying that I, I think he is a good leader of men, right? That's what everybody says about him. Um, I, I think that he has done a good job of getting this team prepared. Um, I, I think they play well for him. I think they respond to him. Um, so I, I don't think everything is bad. The end game stuff is bad. It's been bad all year. It was bad at times last year. Um, I, I like being aggressive. I, I think that there are way too many coaches in the NFL that are that are far too conservative. And you know, Vrabel is always like, if we can win the game now, that's what I wanna do. And I like that about him. But the fake pun in this game is, is such a terrible decision. And I go back to, this is the thing that I've been saying all year. In that on that play, you have three choices, right? You either punt, you leave the offense on the field and you go for it, or or you call a fake punt. The fake punt is by far the third worst decision. Like the the, the gap between punting and go for it, going for it and a fake punt, the, the gap between whatever the one and two is and three is huge. And, and he calls a fake punt, and then today to say, well, you know, we were hoping that we were going to get a dif- a defensive pass interference. I mean, that, that's such a terrible reason for trying that. I mean, how many times is that actually going to work? It, it, if you leave the offense out there on the field there and you don't get it, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to say a word about that. That is, that's being aggressive. That's whatever. But like, to why are you going to give Brett Kern the opportunity to throw the ball to Dane Crookshank instead of Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown? Like, just, just think about that for a minute. Right. And the Texans were in punt safe. And we do, you know, the Titans run that motion thing where, you know, like, listen, give Brable credit for knowing the rules and knowing that if, you know, Shank's the, the furthest most guy on the line of scrimmage outside, they can't call it defensive pass interference. Like, great, good job. But, you know, so they do it. But once they do all that, it becomes pretty obvious that they're going to try try fake. And listen, Brett Kern had a really good throw earlier in the year, but how many really good throws is he going to have? He's a punter. So <laughs> I just, it's, it's the kind of stuff that, that drives me crazy. And I just feel like in those types of situations, he just overthinks things. If you want to be aggressive, great. I, I actually really really like that. Um, again, going back to one of the one of the play calls, like going for two last year in London, I, I'm all for that. People killed him for that because you know you you, you kick the you kick the extra point, you try to go to overtime on a roll. I, I don't have a problem at all with going for with going for two there. Now I have a problem with throwing a slant to Taywan Taylor in the you know attempting that in the end zone there, <laughs> but like the, the, the going for it on fourth down is great. But a, a fake punt is just that—that – that is not your best odds of completing it there. And I just – it's the in-game stuff that, can, that just like kind of continually drives me crazy about him. And, and I don't think that there's no scenario where he can be a good head coach. I just think he needs help with those types of decisions in-game.
0: And that's why Mike Vrabel is our Zeus Award winner this week. If you don't know what our podcast awards
1: are, James? Uh, yeah, so we have three different awards. We have the Atlas Award, we have the Zeus Award, and we have play the game. I'll start with play the game because that's the most obvious one. Uh, We have the Atlas Award. Atlas was a titan known for carrying the world upon his shoulders. So we give it to a player that actually carried the team during the game. Uh, Zeus was a bad guy towards the titans and known for having sex with everything with a pulse. So we give that to people who mess things up or um, F things up during the game and Vrabel would be our Zeus Award winner for effing a few things up this game. Hot take.
0: I don't, I don't hate the fake pun. I don't hate the fake punt. I, 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 I don't understand. Here's my reasoning. Look, I totally get it when you say the words when you could do Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown out loud. Yes, I'm like, that makes me laugh. It's so silly that they didn't choose that option. But... As a guy, Mike Vrabel, who spent a lot of time in Houston and probably has a lot of knowledge about how Houston special teams runs, and whatever whatever answer he gave to the reporters about his reasoning for doing the play aside, I mean, he's been known to say things that are not true in those press conferences before just to give an answer just for the soundbite. So he says it's to dr- try to draw a pass interference, and that's probably like third or fourth on the list of actual reasons to try this type of so, play.
1: You remember in the last episode when you talked about uh, Tannehill uh, having like, re- r- rapport with Khalif Raymond, do you think it's overrated and overblown? Mm-hmm. I think coaches that are three years removed from a previous staff thinking they have some kind of secret knowledge into that team is overblown as well.
2: No, no. no. You remember the play last year, the fake punt last year against the Texans, right? right. Where mm-hmm. they snapped it to Byer, they threw it to Crookshank because they don't cover the gunner.
1: Right, That's mm-hmm. good
2: coaching, right? That's something <laughs> that you, that tendency that you've seen on tape that you can take advantage of. Thinking that whoever that outside guy is on the punt team is bad at defending passes come on
0: it was rookie second round pick Lonnie Johnson out of the University of Kentucky who's played quite a bit this year he's been up and down Had a lot of good moments had a few too many holding penalties but he's been a good corner for them so it is definitely crazy to try to have Dane Crookshank beat that guy on a deep pass but it almost worked I guess what I mean is I didn't hate it when it happened when it happened, I was like, "Oh cool. They were at least trying to be aggressive. if that pass gets picked off down there by for some reason, defenders do that all the time. They intercept the pass on fourth down because they're not thinking about field position. they're just playing. If that happens, it's like a long punt anyway. If it doesn't happen you're you're in the you're on the other side of the fifty you're at the thirty seven yard line. I don't know the defense ended up holding there. I didn't hate it in the moment, but when you look back and you say it could have been." could have been A.J. Brown as the target on the play or something. Yeah, that's a better option for sure. Um, what do you think about the decision to kick the onside kick where if they hadn't kicked the onside kick, they had tried to pin Houston deep. They managed a three and out anyway. The onside kick attempt was absolutely pathetic, and they ended up getting the ball back inside their own – well, they got it at their own 12 because LaShawn Sims fielded a punt, which we'll talk about in a second because I have thoughts on that too. Um Whereas if they don't kick the onside kick, they force Houston to go three and out inside their own at their own 25-ish, get the ball back around the 30 or 40, a lot better chance of getting upfield and getting a field goal. Thoughts on the onside
1: kick decision? Well, before we get into that, I wanted to touch that Vrabel has kind of made these questionable decisions before, like with the fake punt. Didn't Who, who did he run up on a fourth and one? He gave it to the tight end. Like a oh, little Stalker, my gosh. Luke stalker. Yes. Luke stalker. That was against the Texans. So, so against the exactly, player. against the Texans because of the look that he oh, thought he gosh. got or that he was going to get. So he's made these mistakes before. And secondly, going into the onside kick thing, um, could we have really pinned them deep where Santosa really isn't getting that many touchbacks or just kicking it that deep in general?
0: So, well, I, I, just, go ahead, I mean – Maybe they get a return. Yeah, so benefit. I mean, I don't. I don't yeah, hate so, the onside
2: yeah. kick on from the aspect of, like you said. I mean. You you have the, the opportunity for a touchback. And so then, you know, they're punting from further back. Like, I understand all that. But you're getting the ball. Best case scenario, which is what ended up happening for the Titans, you get the ball back with 30 seconds left or whatever it was. So I don't I don't hate the onside, the idea of an onside attempt there. Um, it was the two worst onside kick attempts I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, the Titans, you know, because the they, they, Texans ended up calling timeout on the first one. So they did it again. Why is Ryan Suckup not doing that? That's the other thing I don't understand. I mean, you've got a guy in Santoso, and listen, you know, I, I'm unprepared here, but I have no idea where this guy even came from. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I know that he, he, or I'm assuming he's never attempted an onside kick I- in the NFL. Ryan Suckup has has attempted plenty. Now I think he's like one for twenty something or something in his career, but nobody recovers onside kicks anymore with the new rules, besides the Falcons, anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't, I don't hate the idea there because either way, like I, I feel like that you're. You know, if you you kind of look at the like ceiling and floor of a decision, you know, the the ceiling is higher there because if you do get the onside kick, then you've got the ball back with time and and no timeouts versus even best case scenario uh, with kicking it deep. You're still only getting the ball back with 30 seconds or or less left to go and still the majority of the field. So I I didn't hate that decision. Um, But again, I'm just I'm not sure why that Santoso instead of suck up.
0: Yeah, it's one of those, you like the decision, you don't like the process of which they go about making or carrying out that decision.
1: <laughs> Part of me wonders, like, with these onside kicks, because I know they like to, like, dribble it off the ground to give it those weird bounces. But, I mean, maybe it's just easy because I'm sitting on the couch, but, like, why don't you just try to, like, zoom it at them or, like, kick That's... it at them? Yes! Like Matt Bryant like, try Bryant to drive or... it through their chest Not and Matt it just Bryant. bounces off. Who's the Lions kicker?
0: I forget his Matt name. Prater. Matt, like Matt Prater. Like Matt Prater did on Thanksgiving against the Bears when he kicked it off the guy's face.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I say, mean, yes. try to hit them hit them with it, and then they're not ready for it, and then, boom, it bounces off and touched them, and then you give your team a chance more than just kind of, like, shittily kicking it across the floor. Like You're some, literally,
0: you're, like, you're forcing your own team to run 10 yards before the other team has to run, like, two 10. yards to And get this the dude's ball, kicking
2: like, it like
1: I kick ice cubes under my
0: fridge.
2: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, with the, with the old thing where you could, you know, have these guys running and they, you know, drill the guys at at the front and then you have the guys coming behind, have a chance to to receive it. I mean, I get that, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what the, what the downside is. They're just trying to kick it as hard as you can off of somebody and hoping you get a good bounce. Because to me, it seems like the odds of recovering that are infinitely higher than, you know, what they tried to do yesterday.
0: Yeah. Or even like a pooch thing where you try and like kick it behind the big group would be more effective nowadays than just rolling it at the.
1: At the line of people waiting to bounce on the ball. Ugh, lots of uh, if-ends and buts, but we got the Saints coming up, and they are trashing. Are they the Colts right now? What's the score? Thirty-four to zero. Oh, Dude, the Saints scare me even more than the Texans. But I'm hoping the Saints don't have anything to play for.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about. Sure, uh, me too. But we can talk about the Saints any day of the week. Let's talk about LaShawn Sims. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. LaShawn Sims fielded a punt at the one yard line with like 20 seconds left in the game. And honestly, that was fine to me because at this point in the game, you're fielding the ball at the one yard line. You're letting the ball go to the 20 yard line. He returned it to what? The 12, 13 ish. Um, Like, so the Titans lose out on eight yards and maybe three or four seconds for that return. At this point in the game, like those three or four seconds and those eight yards are not as costly as the potential upside that you gain from trying to return this kick when the defense thinks it's going into the the punting team thinks it's going into the end zone and you kind of like hesitated installed for a second and everyone kind of stops playing for a second you have the chance to catch him off guard return that thing if you get that out I mean if you can break through possibly score a touchdown or at least get way better field position for the team I think it's totally worth the risk of that kind of play Plus, there's always a chance that the defender that's standing there downs the ball at the one yard line, and then you're really screwed. So, I mean, Lashawn Sims got killed about this. It was PK's first question in the in the post game press conference. My opinion is Lashawn Sims made the right play. My question is, why is LaShawn Sims the one feeling this punt at the one yard? line? I know they had like the punt block unit and he's running back at the last second, but if you're gonna run back at the last second, then just put Khalif Raymond out there and keep him back there the whole time. And let the guy who's a good returner have a chance to return it. I don't know. But did you guys were you guys in the fire LeSean Sims crowd or what?
1: No, uh, I think I think at worst it gets PK called an idiot, but I mean at best you get the uh return touchdown. Uh Khalif Raymond's a rookie this year or no, he's like he's been in the league a few yeah, years, right? He's been around yeah. A yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I mean I, I really don't know. I mean he's got the speed for it. I mean, he's the punt returner. Well, yeah, I mean,
2: yeah. yeah, like you said, Mike Redwell thinks you're an idiot for bringing this up at all. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm with you there. So, to me, it, it's a tough spot for for Sims to be in. And I don't know. I have no idea what they told him um, before they sent him out there. But he's not the regular punt returner. Uh, I don't know if he did in college or, or whatever. But, you know, it's easy right. for, for us sitting there to watch the way that that ball bounce and, and think that if he just gets out of the way, it's going to bounce into the end zone they're going to blow it dead Titans get it to the 20. Like, I mean, it's easy. It's easy for us, you know, sitting, I was in the stadium y'all y'all are watching it on TV, you know, like um, it, it's easy for us to make that call. It, it's a, it's a whole lot tougher for a guy on the field trying to decide what he's not going to do. And again, to me, it's, it's a ceiling floor type thing. Um, like you said, the, the best case scenario there is that Sims catches it and they're not expecting him to run it back. And so he gets decent yardage or I mean, maybe takes it all the way back, but You know, the other two decisions are, you know, what happened. They get the ball at the 11 with however many seconds left, or it goes to the end zone. They get the ball at the 20 with three more seconds left. Like there's really no difference there at that point. So I I think it's worth having a guy catch it and try to run it back. But uh, I also wonder, do you not go ahead and put your punt returner out there? But again, you get the thing where the Texans could have, you know, lined up and and try to fake or or – Tried to draw off that whatever it mm-hmm. could have been, and in that in that case, I mean that's the that that, that would have been the worst thing that could have happened. So um, th- there's a lot at play there, and again, just in the grand scheme of things, I think that what he did was fine. Sure, the way it the way it played out, would you have liked for him to get out of the way, let it bounce into the end zone, they blow it dead, all that stuff? Yes, but I, I think the chances of him actually being able to get some yardage. Because they're not expecting him to 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 catch it and run it back, I, I think that was worth the risk there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, what do you really have to lose? I mean, I know what three seconds, maybe you get one shot play, but I mean, it it wasn't. I don't think it was a bad decision. The thing to me is ultimately it doesn't really matter.
0: That play is not the reason the Titans lost. Right. The fake punt yeah. is not the reason the Titans lost. Onside kick versus kicking it deep. Maybe, but ultimately not the reason the Titans lost. They shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. The reason they lost, and it's not really, I'm not putting this loss on the coaching staff or the players. Or I mean, like we've talked about on our last episode, it's just the fluky plays that really cost them this game. So that's an encouraging thing as we move forward about thinking about the rest of this season is that if you just cut the fluky crap out, then you have a chance in the, against these great teams, even with a blocked field goal. Um, If that Ferkser play doesn't happen, you know, this is a totally different game. So with that in mind, James, where are you standing right now? I'm sure the britches are back on. But as far as your outlook on this team going forward, where, where do you think this team can go? Is it a playoff team? Or is that a pipe dream at this moment? Because we have some we have to hope for so many other things to happen.
1: Well, first off, the bridges are around my ankles. I can pull them up or I can kick them off. I'm still giving myself the option here. Okay. I'm still in on this team. I think uh, we still have some playoff hopes going on. Um, I don't know how much the Saints are going to have to play for uh, when we play them in Week 16. Hopefully it's not for too much. Um, but I think this loss to Houston, as hot as we were and as bad timing as this loss was, it's a really good – hard, but – uh A good teacher um because if we are going to get into the playoffs we we got to realize we got to clean up these mistakes we can't have these mistakes against good teams and in the playoffs so that's all you're going to play are good teams so if we were going to have the loss having it now versus in week 17 or maybe in the playoffs or even week 16 i would have preferred it be week 16 but just for, the further down the line you get, the the harder these losses are going to be, and I'm glad we just had it now.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and to your point, Ryan Tannehill said after the game, like against good teams, you got to play four quarters, and the Titans definitely didn't do that on Sunday. Right. Um, I, I do think absolutely it's the it's the Ferkshire play that is the 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 that's what decided that game because that's you know absolutely a 14 point swing there. Um, and what really sucks is, you know, it, it's, it's, it seems like now with, with the Colts losing uh, to the Saints, that it's, it's either going to be the Titans or the Steelers that get in as the sixth seed. Uh, there's still an outside chance Titans can win the FC South. Um, and, you know, the Titans will know that when they play on Sunday because the Bucks and the Texans play on Saturday. So it, they'll have that. But, um, like I said, what sucks is this, the Steelers are not good. Like they're to me, they're the kind of the version of, the, you know, a couple of years ago, the Titans where they get in, they, they can maybe get lucky and win a game, but they are not a Super Bowl contender. Like Duck Hodges is not winning a Super Bowl. Right. So, uh, you, you know, so from that standpoint, it sucks because the Titans are definitely the more, quote, deserving team of being in the playoffs. They're, they're the better team. Right now, um, but you just had, you know, a couple of dumb losses earlier in the year that that could come back to haunt you and keep you out. So, um, listen, I, I think there's a lot to be positive about with this team. And again, I, I'm just excited to see a competent offense and an offense that was able to battle back being down 14 to start the second half. Um, you know, like like Justin said in, in yesterday's episode, um, even the drives that that stalled out, the drives they didn't get points on, they moved the ball. It wasn't just like disgusting offense that makes you you know want to vomit while you're watching it. I mean, they're they're moving the ball, they're doing good things. So I think it to be positive about where this team is going. Again, it sucks that you know, that you didn't have this offense against the Broncos, against the Bills, against the Jaguars and the Colts in those first couple of games. I mean, all, all those things. That's the stuff that really kind of keeps you up at night when you think about those things, those losses, the Marcus Mariota losses are going to be what keeps this team out of the playoffs. Like, that, that really does suck if, if that's what ultimately happens. But I, I just – I really don't think you can be anything but positive about where they are right now. The offensive line is playing better. They have more weapons than they've had – I mean, arguably ever. So, you know, things are still going in a really good direction, but now you just have to hope that things outside of your control break your way to give you that chance to get into the playoffs.
0: Do you think that once they get to the playoffs, based on Vrabel's in-game decision-making and stuff, do you think that Mike Vrabel limits the Titans' ceiling more than, like, the talent and the scheme and the offensive staff and everybody? Do you think that that in-game decision-making – it's a cap on where this team could go or if they do get into the playoffs, are they contenders?
2: I mean, I'm going to say, yes, that, that, that is an issue. Um, but that's, that's, you know, according <laughs> to some people, that's my brand. Um, but I, I, like, honestly, I believe it. Like, and again, I, I don't say things I don't believe. So just, just to get that out there, but like, I, I really feel like, again, we've just seen time and time again, bad decisions in key moments from him. Now, can he learn from those things? Hopefully but we I don't I feel like we haven't seen that yet. So I mean I think that could be an issue um because you know like I mean in the playoffs you're going to have you know at least at some point in a playoff run you're going to have to have a decision that the coach is going to have to make that's going to have to be a good one if you're going to keep going. So I I do worry about that, but I, I you know I'll I'll take this offense and, and and how it's looked for the last, you know, 6 7 weeks of the season. Um I mean, would you not feel so much better about this team heading – if they're the 16th, 16, 16, would you mm-hmm. not feel so much better about them than you did the team two years ago that got – or, yeah, two years ago that got in and won a playoff game? I mean, we never thought that team was going to – We were playing with house money. You knew when they went to New England they were going to lose, Like right? I mean, like there was <laughs> – you could you – could, during that week, you could conjure up different things in your head. Well, you know, this happens, this happens. Sure, maybe they could win. But realistically, that was never a possibility. This team – I mean, this team to me, again. I mean, I think Baltimore's better than them, but I could see a scenario where they could beat the Ravens. So, I mean, that to me is is completely different than what we saw two years ago.
0: Yeah, to me, it depends on how they get there. If they're riding high, you know, if they get in at ten and six, having just beat the Saints and the Texans and win the division because the Texans lose to the Bucks, then yeah, I'll feel really good about them. If Derrick Henry is not healthy and they yeah. go one and one over this stretch and get in because the Steelers lose twice or something, then I'm going to feel a lot worse about their, their potential to make noise. But I think it all comes down to that, the health of Henry. I think we saw in this game against the, against the Texans how not having Henry kind of limited the rest of the offense. Ryan Tannehill was good. I mean, he was better than most passers we've had in Tennessee, but he wasn't his elite, elite self that he's been. If you look at his completion percentage over expectation, which I've talked a lot about on this podcast and written about from musiccitymiracles.com. And it's been, this has been a stat that you've, if you've been watching pregame shows or coverage about the Titans and stuff, everybody's talking about Tannehill's completion percentage over expectation being tops in the league, 10 plus percent. Well, for the first, his first seven starts or first eight games, actually, because they factored in the the Broncos game, he was at plus 10% on the season. This one game dropped him all the way to 9.5%. Small, small part of the sample size dropped him a whole half a percent because he was a very measly 0.6% expected in this game, just about what his expected completion percentage should have been. So there weren't those amazing tight window throws that were perfectly on the money, and if they were in this game, his receivers weren't on the other end making the plays that they've been making in past games. And we talked about on the last one that the Firkser play factors into that completion percentage, and the Corey Davis plays and all that stuff factors in for sure but you also don't have a guy out here playing so much above what the expectation is carrying the team, and that's the, that's the kind of hero ball that Tannehill's been playing over the last few weeks, and we've had this debate back and forth. Is it Ryan Tannehill? Is it Derrick Henry? Who's moving the offense more? And it, I think the answer is they're both helping each other. When we see Henry here, limited, not as not the same Henry. I don't know if the defense was playing him any different. It's Monday night, so all 22 has not come out yet. And we don't have Mike here to tell us. So Mike Herndon, of course. So, um, you know, I don't know if the defense was, was adjusting, knowing that Henry wasn't at full strength or if they were putting the same effort into stopping him or what. But I know that Tannehill, with Henry less than 100%, was not his same amazing self. And maybe that's just regression to the mean. Um, but Houston has a bad pass defense. And, well, I mean, he had a decent game, 279 yards, passing, 60% completion, two touchdowns. You know, it wasn't a great game passing. The Titans receivers weren't running wide open against the secondary like we kind of hoped and thought that they would, like they have been, like they were against Oakland and Indy the last week. So, I don't know. I mean, it was a lot of A.J. Brown making really good catches or having one step on a guy down the sideline for a 60-yard play. So, without Henry here, I don't know. Do do you think it's worth resting Henry against the Saints so that he's fully healthy for the Texans game?
1: (laughs) No. <laughs> no no no. Like um either way you look at it, we either need to keep the Saints off the field or we need to keep up with their offense, and either way we need Henry for both of those.
2: So right. if the if the Texans win on Saturday and you can't win the division, then I think it's worth doing that. I don't think they will do that because I don't think that's how, you know, NFL coaches and players think, and I understand that. Um, but you, you know, in in that scenario, you're heading toward week 17, you have to win to get in and you need Derrick Henry to be fully healthy, to get in. And like you're talking about to, to make that run in the playoffs. Um, so I, I do think it. Would be worth doing that? I don't think that's something they will do. I don't think that's something Derrick Henry would allow them to do. I mean, you know, he talked about all week. There was no chance he wasn't playing. I mean, you just go back to his quotes after mm-hmm. the open game. You can tell he what 100% in the game against the Texans. Um, And and it, it sucks to to get here and to be that. But, I mean, that, that's the case for a lot of players. So, do I think it would be worth doing? Yes. Do I think it's something they will do? No.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, if if the Texans win on Saturday, the Titans still should be playing to win on Sunday because if the unless the Steelers lose both games, the Titans have to win. Like Titans still have to win, you know. So they're they're going to be playing as hard as they're going to be playing too. It just
2: well, the Titans still get in if they lose to the Saints and the Steelers lose one of these last two games. Right, right. But the the Steelers have to yeah, yeah, okay.
0: The Steelers have to lose. Yeah, sorry. The Steelers have to lose one game, but.
2: Right, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They still I mean the Steelers could go two and oh. They play the Jets and the Ravens sure, are their Starter. So the Titans have they can't yeah, they can't just say, Oh, well, the division's out of reach, so let's go for the wild card and rest our Yeah, diet. absolutely.
2: No, you're you're exactly right.
0: About um that. But yeah, I think we've been talking for a long time and we should
1: probably take a break or just end this episode. <laughs> Either way, I think we're at thirty minutes again, so
0: we just abandoned the other two awards, but we could take a we could take a quick break and then come back and do those two awards and then call it an episode. All
1: right, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. So, other than the divisional award or the wild card award, we should go back to the Atlas Award, uh, oh, yeah. who I want to give to AJ Brown, um, who has just been a stud. I think he has two games to go. He's at eight hundred and what ninety three yards. First, what would he be the first Titans? Wicked or uh, Wookiee, rookie wide receiver with a thousand yards. Say it all again. Just say it all again. (laughs) Would AJ Brown be the first Titans rookie wide receiver with a thousand yards? Or I don't know why I even made you say it again because I have no idea.
0: (laughs) 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 Jesus, should we look that up? Uh, uh, No, how do you even look that up? I don't know.
2: Well, Kendall Wright would be the when did Kendall Wright do it? It wasn't his rookie year, right? No, it was like twenty thirteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, I mean, I am going to go. I with, mean,
0: I am going to go with yes. He probably would. I have two stats that I know for sure are true. I know that this third one hundred yard game in his last four games, he's the first rookie to do that since Odell Beckham Jr. in twenty fourteen. This game was his fourth hundred yard game overall this season. He's the first rookie to have four one hundred yard games in a season since Amari Cooper did it in twenty fifteen. Those are some pretty good names to be keeping rookie company with. And um, like Jimmy said on the last show, I think A.J. Brown has asserted himself as the Titans' best receiver they've ever drafted in in Nashville. And uh, he's got two games left to keep it going. I'm really rooting for that 1,000-yard season. Uh, He was the most reliable player in this game for the Titans. That's why he gets our Atlas Award. And um, just to recount his stats, which I did say on the last show, but in this game, eight catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. Led the team in targets, led the team in yards, and tied for the lead in touchdown receptions in this game. He leads the Titans in all three of those categories on the season. And that's pretty crazy for a guy to uh, to be a rookie lead in receptions, targets, and yards, and, and touchdown catches.
1: It's so refreshing, though. Oh, it's
0: great. I love it. I mean, I love A.J. Brown. Yeah. He's what quickly becoming one of my favorite titans already
2: well it's just something we haven't seen here right i mean because even you got to go all the way back to what i mean Derek mason had three or four thousand yard years Drew bennett had the thousand yard year with with billy valet that's probably before both of y'all were alive um but like i mean since then think about like yeah <laughs> oh, I mean, dare I you. but think about like uh, Kittle wright you know somehow stayed on his feet long enough to get a thousand yards one year but uh, i mean there's been nothing since then and so many guys that we have just like, for whatever reason, that we'd hope they'd be that guy, and, and just every every guy has fallen flat. And AJ Brown, I mean, even you know he had the he's had injury scares a couple different times this year, but unlike you know receivers in the past where they have an injury and then they're like dead after that, you know he's he hasn't really missed time. He's come back. He's been awesome. He's out there making plays. He's you know catching ball over guys. He's getting guys' faces. He's you know getting Taylor Lewan. After he gets a couple of penalties, I mean, just all that kind of stuff. Like, just he's just such a different guy than what we've seen at the position for this team in such a long time. It, it's so much fun, and like you said, I mean, he's quickly becoming, you know, one of one of my favorite players on the team. It scares me to love a wide receiver, but I mean, I think I'm there. Yeah.
1: He's everything I wanted Dorial Green Beckham to be.
2: Oh, he's more, <laughs> way more.
0: He's like a mix of all yeah, the best. Yeah, way more. But like that,
1: that, that's like that was like A.J. Brown now was everything I wanted DGB to you be. Everything. Like that's what I envisioned. You know what's – And I'm um, just seeing it come to life. What's
0: crazy is that A.J. Brown is like the first one in this long line of receivers that we haven't looked at and said, please, you are our hope. Be the guy at receiver that we've been waiting for because when he was drafted – We all thought that guy was going to be in, and some people still may think this, that that guy is Corey Davis. And uh, AJ Brown didn't have those big expectations placed on him. And he wasn't asked to be the top receiver in on the offense when he got to training camp or anything. He just worked his way there and earned it. And I think that honestly plays a factor in his ability, A, to impress us so much, because if he was a number five overall pick, we'd be like, all right, this is what we thought we were getting when we drafted this guy. But instead, we're like, "Oh my God, AJ Brown was a steal at 41 or whatever." And uh, that, I mean, I don't know if that doesn't really affect his play on the field, but it, it affects how we perceive his play. And and it's it's really cool that the guy that we weren't hoping for to be the guy has been the one who is the best of them all.
1: Yeah, and people like he's huge. Like <laughs> he's like Derrick Henry out there running routes. Yeah. And, like, people think he's, like, a little bit smaller because they always see him in that picture next to DK Metcalf, a giant freak. But, I mean, AJ Brown's pretty big in his own right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I'm just, I'm just so glad the Titans have found a way to keep him active all year. You know, there's that, you know, like, Bettingfield scare Mm. that he might be inactive at some point. So, um, right. For Tajay Sharp. I was wrong about that. Yeah.
0: Some games might be a Tajay Sharp game. But, um, One thing I'm not going to do is buy an A.J. Brown jersey because I bought a Justin Hunter jersey and I bought a Corey Davis jersey and I'm not going to buy an A.J. Brown jersey. You also bought a Mariota
1: jersey, didn't
0: you? I died have a Mariota jersey. I bought a Delaney Walker jersey this season.
1: Here we are. Jesus, dude. (laughs) Do not buy an AJ Brown jersey. Yeah. Don't buy a Tannehill jersey. Do not buy a Derrick Henry jersey. You're not
2: allowed to buy more jerseys. You're out. I
0: have a Henry jersey. I have a Harold Landry jersey. Okay. And he hasn't
1: had a sack since week nine or whatever.
0: (laughs) I got my Harold Landry jersey during the Eagles game when he sacked Carson Wentz. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting a jersey right there on the
2: spot. I have two jerseys left. Um, I have a Jake Locker autographed jersey, and I have Ooh. a Randy Moss jersey, which is what I wore to the game yesterday. Oh, um and Randy I'm, I'm done. Um, you know, I've got a Bullock jersey and a McNair jersey from back in the day. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. It just seems like any, anything I buy ends up getting cursed. So um, I, I'm just I'm done.
1: I have three. I have a signed Taylor the One jersey, a signed Chris Johnson what? jersey, and an Ooh. Earl Campbell jersey. Whoa. Nice, oh, and a, a McNair. I also have a McNair. You have to, yeah. I can't
0: wait till my Delaney Walker jersey is like an old time jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: I bought a McNair jersey so. because that seemed like the safe bet player because I just didn't trust anybody in the franchise around the time I wanted a jersey. And, and yeah. then Taylor Juan finally came around, and that's when I got that.
0: Oh, yeah, you got that at the draft, right? Yep,
1: yeah. and then we went and we got it signed. You went with me.
0: Yeah, good times. All right, let's move on to our play of the game, since we're so off track right now. Yep, Play of the game is a weird one this week because usually we make it like our favorite play of the game, but this week I'm going to give it to the play that was the most impactful on the game. We've talked about it a little bit already. It was, of course, the Ryan Tannehill pass intended for Anthony Ferkser, intercepted, returned 88 yards by Whitney Merciless to set up the Texans' touchdown that was a brutal play for the team because they had such a good drive. They were all the way down there near the goal line. It was like, here we go. Titans offense is what we expected from the beginning. And then, boom, interception, heartbreaking. They had a chance to take a 7-0 lead, and instead they turn the ball over here, and Houston goes down and gets their first touchdown, and it's 7-0 the other way. Titans punt on their next possession, and that really set the course for the game.
1: this to play the game. <laughs> Are you giving it to Johnu? Uh, what? What I'm giving it to the play that
0: had the biggest impact on the game.
1: Dude, that's the play. I disagree. I disagree. You know what? I give the play of the game to Janu on that part because you know what? No easy layups.
0: All right, fine. Janu, play of the game. What a tackle! That's two weeks in a row. We get to see an amazing tackle by a Titans
1: offensive player. Right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's not. Let's let's end it at two weeks.
1: You know who set the example? Ryan Tannehill. That's what a leader does.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely the biggest play of the game. Like you said, it's not the one that we would want to pick if we were if we got to pick, right? But it was definitely the play that had the most impact on the game. Um, and it, but to, be, to back to something we talked about in the last episode, th- the way they came back from that – is an argument against same old Titans, right? Because we've seen so many of these games in the past where you have a couple things that go against you. I mean, you know, in, in a span of however long that was, you've got a blocked field goal and you've got that play. And so at that point, it's like, okay, well, everything is stacked against us today. And they still fought back and, you know, made it a game in the fourth quarter. So to me, that's a, a sign of a team that, you know, is always going to be in it, is always going to be fighting. Um, and to me, that's the argument against same old Titans because we've seen those games happen in the past. Where we think you know, you come in with, a, with the hopes of hey, the Titans are finally ready to take that next step, whatever it is, and a couple things go wrong, and all of a sudden it's, it's 42 to 14, and you're you know outside doing yard work at 2 30 in the afternoon. So, um, th- that was definitely different what we saw yesterday than, than some of those other games.
0: Okay, if you had to pick a, a real play of the game, James,
1: what would you pick? Hmm. I'm gonna say that AJ Brown touchdown because oh, yeah. why was that one so much better than Deion Lewis's touchdown? Well, one, because it was A.J. Brown working back on what seemed like a little bit of a busted play. It really just seemed like improv. And he kind of, like, pointed up and then put his hands up. And, then and caught. why
0: was it better than Tannehill's one-yard touchdown run on fourth down, Titans' first score of the game? You know, Massive Justin,
1: play. Don't sass me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Choosing play of the game is hard. Uh... Anyway, yeah, I'm going to give it to A.J. Brown. One, because I have a giant man crush on A.J. Brown. Don't buy a jersey. And, yep. So, A.J. Brown wins two awards, Atlas and play of the
0: game. Yes. You know what? A.J. Brown deserves a third award. Rookie of the year. Is this
1: going to happen or what? Maybe, but I know he's going to have the Atlas award in front and then maybe the Rookie of the Year award off to the side.
0: What did Josh Jacobs do yesterday? 24 carries, 89 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. Come on, A.J. Brown deserves Rookie of the Year.
1: But if he breaks a thousand yards, I think he's a strong contender. I know he's got Chris his boat.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, any anything else to wrap up with here?
1: Titans are going to beat the Saints by twenty-one points. Okay, we'll preview the Saints game later, James. Jimmy, anything, any last words to add?
2: No, I mean, listen, we, we're going to have meaningful football for the last two weeks of the season. So that that's a good place to be. Not where we hoped we'd be. I mean, you know, we'd love to be talking about 12 and four, first round by, all those types of things. And, uh, and, you know, obviously, we feel like that could have been possible if you had Ryan Tannehill from week one that that's not where we are but you know we'll we'll take we'll take this over obviously some alternatives that we had in years past so um I, i'm i'm just excited about what we've seen over the last few weeks from this team and hope they can bounce back from this and just kind of continue to make that ascent that even if it doesn't get in playoffs this year you'll feel good about where we are coming into the next season
0: yeah meaningful football definitely feels good all right I think that'll do it for us here. James, did you have anything else you wanted to add since I cut you off so quickly?
1: I love you, Titan fans. Let's take a breath. We're eight and six, and we have meaningful football. That's that's the mantra for this week.
0: Take, it, take a breath and have meaningful football. Anyway, be sure to find us. Search Music City Miracles wherever you listen to your podcasts and hit that little subscribe button. It's going to be a, a Titans Film Room MCM radio mashup here for the next month or so, maybe more. Depending on what happens here with Jimmy Morris joining us, I'm Justin Graver. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. You can follow Jimmy at J Morris MCM, And you better follow James and help him join the 2000 Club because we're at 1000 now. James is at South Texas Titan. 2000 is not too far away, James. We're going to get there. We'll be back later this week to preview the Saints game. And that's it. That'll do it.
2: For the boys on three. One, two, three.